Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. Today we have Ken- Kenny Desermo. Desermo, is that how you say it? Desermo, actually. Desermo? Okay. Uh, I never knew how to pronounce it. I, there's a lot of last names that I never realized how bad I pronounce until I have to like say it out loud. It's a regional thing, right? So certain New Iberia, uh, for instance, is Desmo and uh, certain different places. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I go by either depending on what, uh, what someone's calling me for. You know? <laughs> but, anyway, so it's right either way, I believe. Well, so, so you are the CEO of EcoServe, mm-hmm. um, EcoServe, I think it's EcoServe, right? EcoServe, right. Okay. So we're going to be talking with you a little bit about that in just a moment here and how you became CEO and what led up to that and a little bit about you and kind of the future of the company and uh, all the different things you guys have going on. But first, uh, as always, we definitely want to give a shout out to our uh, podcast sponsor, which is the Music Academy of Acadiana. And as always, they are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, audio production. I mean, the list goes on and on. They have tons of stuff that you can learn. They teach all ages, all styles. So whether you're a classical music person or if you're a techno music person or if you're heavy rock, they, they'll, they'll teach it all. They'll, they'll adapt with you. Um, they have sent many students to college. They have sent students to compete in music, major music competitions. They've even premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. Uh, it was founded by Tim Benson, who's a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. And uh, the Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016. And they've won several National Music School Awards. Um, they're, they're a great company and they're local. Uh, they are, their goal is to make sure to teach or make music lessons fun and educational to help foster the next music generation or the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers in general. And you can find them at their website, which is on the screen, musicacademyacadiana.com and also Facebook, Instagram, uh, I'm pretty sure there's Twitter and then uh, YouTube as well. So we really appreciate Tim Benson at the Music Academy of Acadiana um, and for sponsoring this podcast. All right. So now we are going to talk a little bit about you, Kenny, and kind of what what led up to the the creation of EchoServe and a little bit about that. Just So tell us a little bit about what EchoServe is and... Uh, what they do for the community. So, um, EcoServe was formed by by assembling multiple environmentally related service companies, primarily in oil and gas, together uh, to create a larger company that could offer a more uh, kind of a more well-rounded and more comprehensive service uh, to first oil and gas, and then to petrochemicals, chemicals, and refineries throughout the country. But it, it started uh, much more humbly than that in uh, south of Abbeville with a company I started in, I believe, 1998 called Offshore Cleaning Systems, where I built 
specialized cleaning tools and would sell and rent them to users uh, all across the oil and gas business mainly. And so in 98 you started it? In 1998. The, uh, so what is it? What was it, it was called? called? It was called Offshore Cleaning Systems. And So what made you want to get into offshore cleaning? I, I, I started in the environmental business by way of working uh, with my, my older brothers and um, uh, they had a company that was sold to BFI at the time which is now Republic Waste and uh, when that, their company was bought out, I actually went to work for BFI and uh, started working in the industrial uh, hazardous waste and chemicals business just by, by way of forfeiture of continuing on with my brother's company. It seemed like a great opportunity and, um, and so that's what I did. I, I traveled uh, a lot. Uh, I, was, I was out in California and Alaska and all over the country and internationally dealing with with uh, industrial hazardous waste and helping to profile it and make sure that it ended up in the right spot. So uh, in addition, obviously decontamination and cleaning is a big part of that and I got tired of traveling and wanted <laughs> to come home. So came home and started a business with a, with a very close friend of mine uh, from high school and uh, and then that ultimately evolved into offshore cleaning systems and um, very small, just by myself and a credit card um, for financing. Right. And that's 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 kind of how it started. And so what, what? So before the company, before offshore cleaning systems started, before you got into business in general, what were your aspirations in? Like growing up in high school, like what? What did you think you were going to do in your with your life? I always wanted to start my own business. You know, both uh, I had two brothers and a dad, and uh, my oldest brother started his first business back in 1976 or seven. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial environment, and um, so I always knew. I just didn't know what I wanted to do, but I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and. And take a shot at uh, you know take a shot at, at at everything by by doing my best and not being controlled by a, uh, any infrastructure or or uh, organizational environment. So right, right. I always knew I was going to do that. I just didn't know what it would be doing. Okay, so you didn't know what business you'd be in, but you knew you wanted to be you wanted to have your own business. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, um, what are your some what are some of your other your passions besides uh, this particular company. I want to kind of understand you, and then we'll move on, move forward with uh, sure. the evolution of the company. Um, so passions, I've, I've I've had a bunch, but uh, horse racing was one I grew horse up. Horse racing, with. yeah, okay. one I grew up with, and uh, you know, while I don't have any horses now, I've, I've had, you know, up to about three or four years ago, had uh, you know as many as fifteen horses racing. And uh, and I absolutely loved it. And so you would go to like Evangeline Downs and all that stuff, like that type of horse racing. I grew yes, I, okay. I grew up at Evangeline Downs when I was probably beginning at twelve years old. You know, as my dad's sidekick, and would go with him and just would wait up at four o'clock in the morning when he'd pass by my room and run out and join him. He he was forced to take me with him to the racetrack, which all happens early in the morning and. So that's a passion that I that I uh, I followed 
um, you know, for, for many, many years, probably 40 years. And I like hunting and fishing and I like the outdoors. And I'm, typical, I, typical Louisiana man stuff. Typical Louisiana man stuff. And I, I, I absolutely love South Louisiana. And, uh, you know, tomorrow if someone said, look, you can go anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? I would say uh, just right south of Abbeville would, would be about <laughs> where I want to go. You know, So very passionate about about being Acadian of Acadian heritage and a Cajun and have you lived anywhere else? Oh yeah, I've lived. Uh, I've lived in. I know you mentioned uh, California. You lived out in California. I lived in. Yeah, I lived in Los Angeles and then in Ventura County, and uh, I lived in Houston for three years, and lived up in Alaska for almost a year. And uh, uh, even, Alaska, huh? Yeah, 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 in Alaska. Anytime a, a really great project called for travel, yeah, you know, I was the first one with my hand up volunteering to to go and venture, you know, so I've, I've done, I've done a considerable amount of traveling, therefore, um, absolutely know that I love this place more than anything <laughs> in the world. So, yeah, that's typical of, uh, people that leave here that do a lot of traveling. Uh, they love other areas of, of course, but they always tend to come back to Acadiana area for one reason or the other, whether it's the people, the food, or just the, the, I guess the nature. I mean, we don't have mountains or a beach or anything, but you know, we just have the 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 marsh. We have we have culture. Yeah, we have culture. And uh, I, I think it's probably one of the only intact, distinct cultures besides Native American Indians. Um, you know, one of of those left in the country where we still uh, we still speak uh, French. Some of the older people still speak French on our food culture and our the way we talk and the way we uh, we operate a community is 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 extremely rare uh, anywhere else in the country. So yeah, there's a lot to be said about it. So you can you can fly to the mountains and you can fly uh, to the ocean. Not that the Gulf is in an ocean, you know, or similar, but yeah. uh, you can't just be a part of South Louisiana. You know, I mean, I think you can get accepted into it, but. I think uh, we're part of it, and it's a part of us, and it's uh, it's a special thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so okay, so you have offshore cleaning systems, and you thought you started in 1998, and how did it become, or trans? How did you transition to EcoServe? So, so I, I got involved in 2010 with a private equity company. Uh, and sold a portion of my business um, f for the only the only reason to to grow. I was really eager. Uh, offshore cleaning systems now had started to perform offshore cleaning services where we were up to probably 225 men and specialized cleaning groups that would go out and degas and debottleneck production uh, offshore and. Uh, sold a piece of the company to the private equity group. Private equity group raised a, a, a committed fund and uh, said, what, what would you do if you could buy any other company? And at the time I said, well, I'd, I would buy this particular company and, and then incorporate cleaning, cleaning equipment with the actual final disposal and disposition of the waste that's generated through the cleaning process. So uh, laying on my sofa one Saturday, I 
we were in the process to buy this company in a in a competitive auction process, and I said, "How about in which company? EcoServe." Well, no, EcoServe is the company that I was about to tell you that I came up with the name because offshore cleaning systems didn't really fit the name of the company, and we were buying this division of a much larger publicly traded company. Okay. So we kind of had to rebrand the whole deal. EcoServe was born. So then we could go out, send people, clean, containerize, and then actually take the waste and dispose of it in what we felt is, is the most uh, environmentally sensitive way of doing it by injecting it into uh, old salt caverns and below groundwater in kind of confined areas uh, rather than putting it on the surface, which is, which is our only competitive we have one competitor, and that's what they do. So we believe it's it's uh, it's a more effective process. So anyway, uh, make a long story short, we put them together, and uh, that was in 2014. And uh, in 2014, we put these things together, created EcoServe, and had uh, a much larger company. So from starting off by myself, uh, you know, now we're at 400 plus employees and... Uh, all those all those employees are in Louisiana or are they spread out? Uh, well, at the time, when we consolidated the companies, uh, Louisiana and Texas. Okay. And about four months after we did the acquisition of this environmental service group uh, from New Park Resources, Oil fell from about $107 to, uh, I think, a low of about $27 over the next nine months. <laughs> yeah, so that from, was a rough year. Yeah, yeah from, from the time, from 2014 until now, actually, yeah. things have been mostly about uh, cost-cutting and reductions, which is the absolute worst part of business. But uh, the company's been successful and, and profitable and moving forward the whole time. Just the market has continuously shrunk, um, and not just in 2014. We had a slight recovery, and then now again uh, with COVID-19 and OPEC and things of that nature. So we're talking about a six-year slide, but the company, the market has gotten much smaller. The company has gotten much smaller, so now we're right under 200. Okay. But uh, but still the leaders in 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 what we do both offshore and. Uh, and then the, the integration of, of robotic cleaning into these hazardous uh, areas has been a super exciting uh, kind of uh, expansion of the company during, you know, during that time. So as far as for uh, bad news about low oil prices, we, we never really stood for that. We jumped on these robotics we had been working for, working on and got support from Dow and uh, British Petroleum and Chevron and, and uh, I mean, BASF outside of our industry and began to do what we did with people with, with very robust robotics that we built in-house, you know, 100% in-house. And, um, so you had to hire engineers, robotic engineers, right? No, not at all. We, <laughs> we, this was all done hydraulically. Okay. You know, so okay. the robotics are basically very, very small electronics over hydraulics, which are how we do everything in the oil, oil right, and gas business, right. right? So lots of strength. And so we didn't know exactly what we would create, uh, but we just knew that people that want to clean tanks are getting very 
far and few between. Yeah, nobody uh, wants to be a tank cleaner, huh? Nobody, nobody, <laughs> you know, just runs to their mom and dad and says, I want to be a tank cleaner when I grow up. I'm sure yeah. it's happened. But we realize that risk associated with that uh, are, are really, really high. Deaths in confined spaces and things of that nature, not to mention long-term exposure, it's just not good. So we knew that was coming at some point, right. and uh, we spent a lot of time at the shop drinking beer after work and created uh, what is probably considered globally the, the mo most robust platform for cleaning crude oil storage tanks in the world by starting in Abbeville with some very simple, uh, very simple and, and, uh, <laughs> and almost funny type technology, but uh, that's evolved over the last 10 years. And so now we've spun off another company called Eco Robotics. That's, yeah, I was gonna ask you about that, Eco Robotics. I saw the image yeah. that you had sent me for your headshot and I was like, okay, so there's, there's something to robotics there and I don't know what. Um, obviously you explained a little bit about it. What, so do you guys, bring the robotics to the location that needs to be cleaned or do you have like how does that how do the logistics work do uh do people in abu dhabi hire you out to come do things it that can happen right now we're focused in, you know uh, in the united states so we're in pittsburgh and hawaii and okay. uh, different places but everything <clears throat> is containerized the way we did it offshore it just rolls to the to the sites kind of uh, on an 18-wheeler rather than getting put on a boat. So all of our roots in the robotics came from offshore technology and uh, we, we package it and people pay us by the ton or by the day to locate our equipment to their sites from El Segundo, California to, to South Florida to Philly or anywhere in the country where they're either major refineries or uh, you know municipalities where it's either too dangerous because of compromised infrastructure or too dangerous because of gases and we locate and change different tooling at the end of these crawlers or have really long articulating arms that basically do what superhumans would do without uh, exposing the people. So the people are in a climate controlled cabin with joysticks, with cameras that are seeing for them doing what we've been doing for, in my case, almost 30 years of wow. doing it with people. Now we're doing it with robotics. Robotics, yeah. So, so this, this brings me to another question is now that you have robotics to do the, the more dangerous work, because Obviously, like you said, being in a confined space, you know, having to have lockout tags, all these other things. Um, who now, if those jobs for people are no longer a thing, are the people that were once cleaning the tanks themselves now learning to work the robots? Yes. Okay, that's amazing. But you still have a lot of hoses to drag and there are still a lot of fittings to attach. And so there's a ton of manual work surrounding setting up the project. You know, it's, it's to get into these giant above ground tanks that you see in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. There's a lot of prep work to do that. The difference is, instead of those guys actually getting inside the tank with breathing air and so on, they just basically are standing around, keeping things clean, making sure hoses aren't ruptured and leaking and all these things, waiting till the job's over to then pull everything and wrap it all up again. But 
the best tank cleaners uh, are actually the operators because you know operating a so-called robot uh, doesn't give you the know-how to clean a tank. So those right. those guys with tons of experience are now in the cabin. I bet you they love that. Uh, they yeah they, they they love it yeah and and. I mean, I would love to. I, I'm a robotics kind of guy. I love controls. I love all that joystick type stuff. So I would imagine it's it's better work than being in a tank all day. Yeah, uh, there's no question. We just we'd like industry to adopt it faster. But um, you know, I mean, even on this platform, you know, I'm at a point now where the honesty behind it is, at the end of the day, it's what your budget is and. Um, you know, the company that's providing the human labor to do it says I have $10 million of insurance and I'm much cheaper than those robotics and they still put human beings in there because the recording of their, of the effects from the interior of those tanks have, there's no way to pinpoint it on one particular project when a guy is a tank cleaner. So we're hoping that at some point that Either regulation or just, or just, uh, just humanity in itself says let's let's just not like Dow doesn't do that anymore. They don't want to put people inside right. tanks. I mean liabilities. Well, liabilities, but the deal is, as a company themselves speaking out and saying, I I, I don't want my son in there cleaning those tanks, and I, I I certainly don't want to expect anyone else to do it. So let's let's get to a point. And simultaneously, uh, from a technology standpoint, we want to be a company that gets the price down to doing it with, with people or get it more uh, affordable for companies to quit making decisions to put people inside of tanks or in you know, underground spaces or right. places they just they shouldn't be, right? Um, so anyway, there's, there's a, an adoption period that's going to go on and it's much better than it was, but it, uh, it will... Uh, no doubt continue uh, for quite some time so so obviously with with the company that is uh, one of the things with as far as innovation goes with the company is transitioning manned labor to robotic labor I guess right yeah and you know that's happening it's happening it's been happening for a while but uh, kind of our platform are referred to as service robotics so um yeah, we're 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 changing more and more people to to supporting these robotics rather than actually do the cleaning. So it's a uh, it's a continuous process of innovation. We've received uh, recently received a patent which is very encompassing uh, with the U.S. Patent and Trademark and several other countries where um, for any robotics or tank cleaning technology that responds to its environment, and uh, particularly LIDAR that measures the surface of the tank and the program that has the, the robot or the nozzles move towards these hills uh, and these high points in the tank. So any, so basically the uh, uh, self-driving car Tesla, technology yeah. for tank cleaning was developed and patented for a company from uh, Lafayette and Abbeville, from Acadiana, so it's uh, it, it, that's amazing. Yeah, so I think it gets to the point where these things basically move into one of the tanks and they just live there and 
and work like a pool sweep and then respond based on uh, sensory technology that keeps them from hitting pipes and wrapping around things. Uh, and are these particular robotics with those advanced sensors in action right now? Um, are they still in development? No, y- yes, there are prototypes, but uh, right now it's it's not to a level where we're ready to turn a whole robotics, <laughs> a whole automated system loose. So while we have simple technology, it's going to go one phase at a time before it gets 100% automated because there's there are too many risks. Oh, that I same mean, as, same as city buses, I suppose. Same thing with the self-driving cars. Or even though that has been in the works for years, 20, 30 years of like developing the technology, we're only just now seeing the, the I guess, the, the come to fruition phase of self-driving cars. I mean, you could, there's been cases, now you should not do this, but there's been cases of people actually asleep in a Tesla in traffic. Because in the Tesla was driving in the traffic, but this there was a video of a guy sleeping. Yeah. Well, then then you have Elon Musk saying, you know, we're not responsible for anything. Right. You're not. I mean, they like tell that. you you the the auto the 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 auto driving the self driving car is supposed to be still have a man per, like a man person in there driving, especially during traffic. But I think like there's like certain um, modes where what is it called? It's the summons. You can summon the car. So, like, if you're in a parking lot, the car will come out of the parking lot itself and find you with your key fob. That's incredible. But, but it doesn't go on the highway without a person in it. There's been a few times in the French Quarter I wish I could have summoned my car to come <laughs> and get me. But the point is, you probably don't need to be getting behind the wheel. Oh, gosh. I know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, same thing. And, and I, the reason I came on today was, uh, first, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for yeah. having me. But I'm, I'm proud of the fact that when someone asks the question, an industrial, uh, you know, so calling it tank cleaning is what we do, but industrial fabric maintenance, if someone asked you where the most advanced uh, hazardous waste remote technology comes from, you probably wouldn't say Acadiana. And, um, you would think Los Angeles. You would think yeah, Silicon Seattle, Valley. Yeah, yeah um, you know, lots of industrial centers um, you know, but the deal is they come from here, and um, and that's because we put together a group of of great uh, great guys that no one had experience with robotics because they didn't exist, and uh, it's a testament to the way that we work here. You know, we 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 work hard. We, we have ingenuity, hard, and we have great ingenuity. I mean, um, oil and gas is is the most uh, you know, the most ingenuity I've ever found are people in the oil and gas business offshore when you can't call a truck to bring something. I've seen some amazing uh, transformative technologies come from, you know, uh, from necessity. So. Yeah, no, necessity is the mother of invention. I mean, that's, uh, especially in the oil field, whenever there's dangerous work, I mean, everybody's looking for a way to uh, to mitigate liability and to reduce the amount of hazardous cases that you know in the oil there's so many and so i mean this is a, a great example of you know moving to a direction of a a safer uh safer work environment so using using robotics i mean that's that's a i i love robotics so uh yeah I, it, I get it. it's fun stuff right nobody really loves um you know 
water blasters or nobody really loves these in, you know, high intensity vacuums. But every time you see a robot, and I'm talking about everybody from 21 years old, 15 years old to 75 years old, there's something, there's something about robotics that, <laughs> that, that draws us uh, to them. And uh, It's science fiction. I mean, it's science fiction coming true. You know, 30 years ago, whenever uh, I was a little boy watching this uh, movie, uh, I, don't, I, mean, I think it was Sandra Bullock in it. And it, it may not be that old, but it was her house was fully automated. She would talk to her house and it was like this big computer. And now... If you think about it, we have homes, smart home speakers, your phone, every, you have wireless lights, curtains that move back and forth if you have all that technology in your house. Your house is living the science fiction days. Everything that we saw from the Jetsons back in, yeah. I won't say The Jetsons is still revolutionary. I mean, you go and you, it's a testament again to, if you don't think about it and you don't imagine it, then you can be certain it'll never become. But as soon as you see the possibility and mostly happened in the form of cartoons, gave, uh, you know, gave children these amazing, uh, with imaginations, amazing inclinations to do things like, um, you know, fly up satellites into space and then come back and land the rocket on a barge. <laughs> you know, Elon Musk continues to amaze me, but... But uh, I think about it and think about all the technology that comes from these things that we saw. And until someone, you know, imagineered it, it didn't come true, right? right. And so we, we felt the same way about robotics. And they were like, that's never going to work. I was like, well, if we don't build it, it's certainly not going to work. And, if you have, the, if you have the, the no in your heart, yeah, then it won't come true. But if you, if you are willing to take the, the step forward and just try it. Um, what is the, the robotics called? I mean, I see something right here called uh, the, the Pit Viper. Is that is so, that something different? Pit Viper is a part of the entire eco-robotics uh, uh, host of equipment. Gotcha. So Pit Viper is actually a technology that goes into mud pits that need that get clean. So every time a drilling rig drills, a, uh, you know, they're, they're either exploring or working over. They use mud and the mud goes down. When they finish... All that mud needs to be taken out, even when they switch from water-based to oil-based to completion fluids. And those all get cleaned, and, and these muds are super exotic and expensive, so you can't cross-contaminate one with the other. So men get in there and fire hose wash and then pressure wash and clean it all out. And our pit viper is just a name off of, because they still call them mud pits, where you just magnetize or reach in these articulating arms um, go to the low spot, vacuum everything out, and these things either are pre-programmed to follow a certain track, or um, and there's many variations of that. But that was that that was started to replace human beings uh, from going into mud pits on on drilling locations. Awesome. Well, is there anything that I know you uh, you got to run here? But is there anything else that we didn't mention that you would want to mention? Uh. No, no, not at all. I, I really appreciate the idea of, of, of developing Lafayette, uh, the invitation to, uh, to coming out and getting a chance to give a buzz to EcoServe's employees and, and, uh, and to all their hard and good work that they've done and, and for the Acadiana area. So 
No, it, it's been it's been fantastic. Thank you again for having me. No, you're welcome, and thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm going to be definitely going to uh, your website and stuff, and reading a little bit more about all the different things that you guys have going on because uh, I didn't. I, I wish I would have been able to do it a little sooner, but. Um, it's definitely piqued my interest. Now I'm going to have to go back home and like dig into it because now I'm, I'm really interested in understanding uh, the way you guys um, operate and the direction that you're going. And I'm excited to see where you guys end up in the future. I mean, five, ten years from now, uh, you guys could be you know, ruling the entire oil field cleaning process. Yeah, well, that's our, that's our, uh, that's our mission and objective and... I can assure you that we have some very exciting things in the pipeline. Obviously, pipeline, you know, let's uh, let's go with that. <laughs> All right, uh, Kenny, uh, it, like I said, it was a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I hope that you have a great weekend, and I look forward to seeing what your company does. Great. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving to you. All right. information on sponsoring the tea podcast by developing lafayette go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise